Don't touch that dial. You are now tuned in to Pruner TV, brought to you by Adobe Radio in partnership with Nice Guy Digital. Without further ado, here's the guy who once played Charlize Theron's boyfriend in a Japanese car commercial. Your host, Aaron Pruner. I feel like there is a universal law in Los Angeles, maybe around the country, even around the world, that as soon as you get your car washed, it's going to rain. And I got a really kick-ass car wash last week, and there are chances of thunderstorms in Los Angeles, California today, Tuesday, May 1st. Hello, everyone. That was your weather update for me, your singing weatherman. That was probably a different intro to this TV TV show podcast thing I do. Um, This is Pruner TV. This is episode number 11. It's Tuesday, May 1st. Uh, Hi. Cool. Um, glad glad I got a response from all of you out there, including the girl in the room with me, Maddie. Uh, you didn't say hi. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. As I said, this is episode number 11. Thanks for uh, tuning in here at Adobe Radio. If you're interested in following the show online, uh, go ahead and do so. I'm really bad at updating our social uh, channels because I'm busy, but I do it, so Go follow at Pruner TV on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or follow me at Aaron Flux. I'm way better at updating my own stuff because I say a lot of stupid random shit on the internet that is not appropriate for the Pruner TV handles. Um, today's guest is actor Lindsay Ferris. That is a male. He played uh, the hunky Knight of Samaria Dalton on season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which was just canceled by stars, so this should be an interesting episode. Uh, I hope to talk about Bruce Campbell's um, uncanny style and wit, because I met the guy once and uh, scared me. I was going to do a whole uh, on this day in TV history, but there's really nothing exciting that happened on May 1st. Although I will say, tomorrow, May 2nd, is Dwayne Johnson. That's The Rock. It's his 46th birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow on May 2nd, Cobra Kai premieres on YouTube. Cobra Kai is a Karate Kid sequel series that puts Ralph Macchio back in the Daniel LaRusso character that he uh, played in 1984 in the original Karate Kid. Also, I believe his name is William Zupka, who played his arch nemesis. He returns. I saw the first two episodes last week in the movie theater. A friend of mine was like, what are you doing tonight? You want to go see this? It's a double feature with the original Karate Kid. And I'm like, sure, I don't have anything to do. Went. It was weird because you would think that they would play the 1984 movie first and then they played the TV show first. So it was really weird because you're seeing these people who they're like 30 years, almost 40 years older than they were in the movie. And it's a TV show on YouTube, which is basically, it's a sequel to part one, I'm assuming. You know, the uh, Dan- Ralph Macchio played Daniel LaRusso in Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. But um, it was weird. The show premieres tomorrow. I'm not really going to talk about it uh, in depth right now. But if you guys have YouTube TV, or if you're interested in checking it out, I believe you can sign up for a trial on YouTube TV to watch it, and if you liked the original Karate Kid, it's an interesting take on the story. It's unexpected. It also has that YouTube quality production value, which I I don't know is necessarily a great thing, because it's... I don't know. I read somewhere online that Fuller House inspired it, (laughs) which I'm not really sure how to take, because Fuller House, even though... Uh, it's not that great of a TV show. It, it, it keeps getting renewed at Netflix. Um, so there's there's an audience for it. I am not that audience. But it's in, it's an interesting take on it. I, I suggest you guys check it out. I'll talk about it next week. Um, also, uh, next week's episode is going to be weird because I'm going to Budapest on Thursday. <laughs> interesting story. Uh, I have a weird life. I freelance doing a lot of different jobs. I got a DM on Twitter on Friday at 540 from a journalist friend saying, hey, are you available to go to Budapest next week? 
And I was like, I need way more info than that. And they said they they work at a reputable um, uh, inter, uh, news outlet, and they're being offered a set visit for a TV show that's currently in production at Amazon, but no one on staff could go. And so I have so many things going on in my life. I had to stop and ask Kelly, my wife, and she's like, why are you even asking? Go to Budapest. So I said yes. I've been booked on a flight, not first class, not business class, not premium economy. I'm on a, in an economy seat for a 14-hour flight. Um, I leave Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. I arrive Friday at 5, Budapest time. I work Saturday and Sunday. My plane leaves Budapest at 6.20 in the morning on Monday. So, woo, party in Hungary. Uh, I'm going to be jet-lagged as fuck. I, 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 you know, maybe this will be a formula for, like, the best episode of Printer TV ever. But I, I, I will come back with stories. Thankfully, I'm not a hot, young college girl or uh, a stupid tourist because I've seen Hostel and I've seen Taken. And I know that you don't talk to strangers or else you may wake up handcuffed in some sort of wet cage with a razor mask on your face to do the bidding of some crazy Eastern European sex maniac. I've seen movies. I don't think I fit that demographic, so I think I'm okay. But if I do fit that demographic, imagine the stories I'll be telling next week. Final piece of news. I didn't really give any news at all. Um, this may be interesting to you, Maddie. Net, uh, Nickelodeon is bringing 40 new episodes of Double Dare to what? TV over the summer. Yeah, Brand new episodes? Brand new. No more Mark Summers hosting, which I bet Mark Summers is excited about because I don't know if you know this about Mark Summers. He is notoriously, he notoriously suffers from OCD to the point where like germ, he's a germaphobe and he hosted a TV show about slime and like the worst sort of viscous fluids that could be dumped on you. Um, yeah. Nickelodeon's bringing Double Dare back to television. Double Dare was my jam when I was a kid. Always wanted to put my hand up that nose. And then a couple of years ago at Comic-Con. Nickelodeon brought Double Dare to Comic-Con, and Mark Summers hosted it, and one of our staff writers at zap to it got to uh, partake in, like, a live Facebook Live video competition of Double Dare, and she got to put her hand up the nose, but it was, like, they set up a smaller Double Dare set, and I think it was, like, the Hard Rock or something in downtown San Diego, so it was a bunch of drunk idiots running around. She was like teamed up with some celebrities, and it was uh, it was a cool, fun time. But I, um, I'm wondering how this is going to work for for whatever new generation is going to watch it because Mark Summers, I can't picture it without him, honestly. Uh, also, the show asked some really dumb questions. Um, they're trivia, you know. For the kids at the time, it was almost just like baiting kids to just be like, so what What gross thing do you want to do? You know, going to ask, what color is the sky? Get it wrong so you can go do the physical challenge. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think this is an interesting idea for Nickelodeon to uh, bring this back. I don't know why it's taking it's taken so long. And I don't know who they're going to grab as a host. I'm just hoping it's not anyone from Nerdist. I, I say that because they they got the long-haired dude from Nerdist to host the new Mythbusters, which just feels wrong. You want to have some like awkward nerdy guys that, that you could tell are socially awkward in real-life situations that barely can function on camera, but are like savants when it comes to building robots and and building boats out of duct tape or whatever like they did in that one episode of Mythbusters that was really great. Um, I do understand why Net, uh, uh, Nerdist took over. You know, got the internet fan base and everything. Internet audience. But yeah, we'll see. Regardless, Double Dare is returning and that's pretty badass. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. Stick around. We'll be back in a second with Lindsay Ferris from Ash vs. Evil Dead. Hey, we're back. 
Um, I am joined now by uh, a, a hunky young man. I would say young. I'm assuming he's younger than me. Uh, Lindsey Ferris, who many of you will know as the the uh, Knight of Samaria Dalton from Ash vs. Evil Dead, the show that was just canceled by stars. So this may be an awkward conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Lindsey, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you for having me on this very chilly morning yeah, what the... in Los Angeles. What's going on, man? This, uh, the episode does go up this afternoon. If y'all are listening to this at 3, 5, 6 p.m., whatever, uh, we record in the morning. So it's not like we're crazy or living on cloud nine. Or maybe we are. Uh, Lindsey. Yes. First and foremost, can I ask you a question that has nothing to do with the show? Sure, sure. Uh, I, it's an almond latte. That's. Uh... Oh, I wasn't going to ask about that, although I will say I'm a big fan of uh, almond milk uh, cappuccinos. Oh, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. can foam almond milk, then you are a barista worth my attention and time. Because <laughs> it's difficult to do. But there is a cafe called M Street Coffee. The M stands for. Mm. Mm. Remember from. Uh, yeah, uh, and I go there all the time. And they make the best almond milk uh, cappuccino. No, you're from Australia? Yes, I am indeed. Okay, question for you. Mm-hmm. I've met multiple people from Australia. I have friends who I met a couple years ago. Um, and my name is Aaron. Yes. Why is it a thing to call me Azza? Oh, really? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been told by multiple people from Australia that you guys create nicknames for people. Azza. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the same thing applies to, like, Warren, which is, like, Waza. We kind of chuck a couple of Zs on to the end of things if it's just kind of like, ah, yeah, you know. It's a little bit more matey, really? I think. Really? Yeah, like, because I, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that here it's actually, it's like Aaron with an oh, E. Oh, no, 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 no. Because no. in Australia, often Americans say Aaron, yeah. but it sounds like Aaron, so people think. Oh, well, I I can't even remember who it was, but I once remember going. Oh, which I always get here because my name's Lindsay. Yeah, and they go. Oh, well, that's a girl's name. I go. Well, I'm a boy. Right. And um, like Lindsay Buckingham from right, yeah, yeah. Fleetwood Mac is like the only example I have here. But uh, the double Z thing, it's like what like Baza is Barry. Interesting. Okay. Uh, my wife's name is Kelly, and they called her Kells. She'd be Kells. Um, Karen would be Kaza. This is just a thing that happens? It's just a thing, man, yeah. The, it's kind of hard with sort of long names like Lindsay, like there's no... Linza? I got the, <laughs> I've got the, the Z sound already. So, so then this is just kind of like a thing that's, that's just, just, just practiced in the culture. Yeah, Australians... It's just understood. Uh, slang and vernacular is a bit messy at the best of times. Like That's really interesting, though. There's a, there's a film that, I'm, that have, I have coming out at the end of this year called We're Not Here to Fuck Spiders. Oh, we aren't. Which means, uh, well, if, if I were to say, well, do you want to go for a walk? Well, you would go and say, well, yeah. Uh-huh. You'd say, well, we're not here to fuck spiders. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if we're PG rated at the moment. Yes. But that's, that's the no. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I will. I would like to go on the record and let you, everyone in the room, know that I am definitely not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> I'm here to set them on fire and smush them into a, in oblivion. Um, as an Australian man, I will tell you. Not as I'm not an Australian man. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, your performance on the show, I thought, well, there's another American guy. How difficult is it to get the American accent down? Oh, well, thank you. We, I mean, we have, uh, I mean, Ariel Cover O'Neill is also Australian. Uh, Lucy Lawless is from New Zealand. I know that. So uh, I think it's really just Ray, Bruce, and Dana that are kind of like the, the American actors on the show. And so we, we, we you know... I, I guess 99% of the work you audition for these days is American, so you kind of get practice. But then they have a dialect coach and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's more about phraseology, I think. You phraseology? Know? Yeah, is like Australians really? kind of, we, we stop and start and we go up at the end of our sentences yeah. and that sort of stuff. But Americans yeah. are kind of a little bit more glidy where they start a sentence and they drive it all the way through the end. Interesting. They, go, they start a sentence and, well, they drive it all the way through the end. Wow, I'm learning things. I, I've tried to get the Australian accent down. Uh, there's a word. It's just one word I tried doing. No. 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 <laughs> you know, and and I, would, I went uh, a couple years ago to France um, on my honeymoon, 
but also my friends were getting married out there and my friend is a Japanese Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, and his Australian friends came out and that's where I learned about the Azza thing. And the whole time I'm there, I just kept repeating everything they were saying because I was trying I'm like Melbourne. Melbourne. Mel- You've done well with that one. That's yeah. one of the hardest ones because most people say Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, but not, no, no, no. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. It's all about the nose. If you can raise the back of your tongue so that everything fires through your nose. Yeah. So you nose. Your nose. Bam. Nose. Your nose. Fire all your vowels through your nose and you've got it, mate. Oh, welcome to the dialect podcast. <laughs> Wow, I'm learning so many things I don't even want to talk about Ash vs. <laughs> Evil Dead, but I'm going to talk about it because you guys shot season three like a year ago, right? True. I think it's now, what are we in? May. Nearly May. Ah, oh, first of May today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would have been around this time. We were around, I'd say, ep four? Shooting? Wow. Okay. May, we'd, yeah, but we'd wrapped up by kind of June. Okay. So, oh, sorry. So, no, we, yeah, we'd be about... Six seven right now. So, um, you were you were you living in Australia when they cast for this part? No, so I was living here, and um, you know the the part. I think when I, I first came across it, D- Dalton was a bit more of like a. He was really rough as guts. Like he was like almost like a Texan that would put cigarette butts out on his arm, cool. and he was just like <laughs> super hardcore. And uh, I was I was just put this tape down in. Uh, in Hollywood and sent it to Australia. And then they said, you know, I think it was two weeks later, we want to see you down in New Zealand to start shooting. And wow, really? Like, yeah. So you booked it off the tape. Yeah. Shit. It was that quick. And then, um, after a bit of refinement, I mean, Dalton was kind of, he, at one point he had like this sort of black Fabio S care that was kind of like, you know, grizzled and (laughs) it was like really nightly and, Old school, but then he got a bit of polish about him, and then yeah, we started shooting literally. I think within six weeks. Wow, that's a crazy <clears throat> turnaround. Yeah, super fast. Yeah, uh, I thought for some reason that they were casting local actors in Australia, but you so so once you got down there. So just so you know, I have talked to many people about this show from this show. Dana ha- has been in the uh, the studio twice. I previously, when I was working at Zap Do It, Zap Zap To It before uh, the website went under. Dana and Ray came in, and we did this weird choose-your-own-adventure game. I interviewed Lucy Lawless over the phone. I also interviewed her in person at a table with Bruce Campbell, which was scary. Yeah. Because uh, just to, just to give you a backstory, I grew up a huge horror movie nerd. At one point in time, I had eight different Evil Dead shirts. Nice. I collected Evil Dead shirts. And I was obsessed with Bruce Campbell and his character of Ash on in the movies. Before the TV show even was a thing, mm-hmm. uh, there was a point in time I used to work at MySpace. And this was like 11 years ago. And I came across an email from Bruce Campbell to the department I worked in because there was a fake account on MySpace claiming to be him. And he had emailed multiple times wanting it to be erased. So my my friend slash supervisor was like, holy shit, that's Bruce Campbell. Before I even knew it, he grabbed my cell phone. Bruce Campbell left his phone number in the email, called him up, threw the phone at me. <gasps> and I'm at work. And I'm like, uh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> right? So I'm holding the phone to my ear. Answering machine answers. And it's him. And I hang up. Well, apparently he has star 69. Because he called me back, and uh, <laughs> he called my cell phone. I'm like, uh, 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 uh yes, this is uh, customer support at MySpace. And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, some jackhole is claiming to be me on the internet. It was the most nerve-wracking experience. And then, cut to a decade later, I'm at the Television Critics Association summer tour a couple of years ago at, like, the Four Seasons in this really nice restaurant, and I'm at a table with... Rob Tappert, uh, Lucy Lawless, and Bruce Campbell, and I'm sweating balls (laughs) because I'm like, Bruce Campbell is Mm -hmm. right here, sitting right in front of me. I can't show weakness. I can't show weakness. He's a very imposing man. He smells weakness. He can pull. Mm -hmm. So I immediately, the only thing I could think of was to talk about Hawaiian shirts because he's a big Hawaiian shirt aficionado. And he gave me some like really good tips on fashion and style, telling me that the best the best Hawaiian shirts out there are Tommy Bahamas. You know that it's a good Hawaiian shirt if you see the 
design weaved from one side of the shirt over the buttons to the other that they really put the time and effort into it. I'm good. I'm getting somewhere. I didn't call you in here just to talk Hawaiian shirts. Working with Bruce Campbell, was that an imposing situation? And did he give you any sort of sage advice or wisdom given that he has worked in this business since like 1980? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I encountered him around the same time because when I was probably about 13 or 14, my grandmother used to show me on Betamax tape. She had... Wow, I feel like you and I might be the same age. <laughs> she had two films that we would watch. Actually, The Dark Crystal was one of them as oh, well. Oh, did, did you know that there's a prequel series coming I to Netflix? I've heard about this. Yeah. This is amazing. But she had the... One, two films. One was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, cool. Lighthearted. One, one was uh, Army of Darkness. Oh, yes. And we would watch them both back to back, maybe once every couple of months. Me, her, and my uncle when I was a kid. Australians have a really weird <laughs> way of bonding. We'd pat our spiders yeah, and yeah, yeah. Cut, cuddle the snakes and pet we'd watch. spiders, fuck spiders, you know, <laughs> semantics. And then, so literally, you know, what is it now, 20 years on? I had a similar experience where I, I literally stepped into the television set. Um, you know, one of the biggest things about Dalton and me that I we have in common is I'm literally a fanboy that stepped into the TV set. Yeah, and I I, I think it was I, one of the comic cons that we did, and I just had like this uh, this moment where I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like now I'm I'm on stage with Bruce Campbell, and the first time that I met him, it was like the I think it was. It was the day before we started shooting, and we were at this little like party at Rob Tappet's house, and everyone's getting to know each other. And uh, I was like, "I got to go up and say hello." And so Bruce Campbell's there with his uh, tequila, <laughs> and he's was he there. wearing a three piece suit? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, and he uh, he says, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're the you're the new guy, aren't you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." He's like, uh, "Yeah, you Dalbo." I was like, "Yeah, Dalton," and he. Uh, said, oh, what, are you shooting? I was like, yeah, I'm shooting tomorrow. And I said, I've got to open with this big monologue. And it's the it's the monologue at the beginning of, I think, Ep 2, where he like explains the backstory of the Knights of Samaria, what we've been doing all this time, why yeah. we weren't in the first two series. And yeah, they didn't have the right star. <laughs> <in the practice. laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I have one of those monologues. And I said, well, have you got any advice? Because that was his one that he opens season one with, where he's like, oh, this is what I've been doing for the past right, right. 30 years. Yeah, I said, have you got any advice? And he just took a minute and he had this shit-eating grin. He goes, hmm, but good luck with that. Oh, no. And that was it. So then, yeah, literally the next day. And because that, that speech was evolving as the, as the writers were kind of creating the show as well. And we were all kind of making it happen. But, yeah, it was also it was the very first scene I shot. I walked into what was Brock's house and... There's Ray and there's Dana. And so you've literally just walked into the TV set again. And then right. Bruce Campbell comes on in that blue jacket, that blue shirt. And, uh, yeah, it was the, the very first shot I did and the very last shot I did when they when they finally decided on what the story was. Wow. Yeah. And and you you died twice. I think I died like five <laughs> times in this you know, show. You know. Get hit by a car. Yeah. Get, shoot myself in the head. Get pulled into the underworld. Yeah. But that must be cool Impala, knowing that you've truly. died on a show like this. Like, I feel like death scenes, especially on shows like this, might be even more fun than, than doing like monologues. <laughs> and, and they are pretty fun. I mean, I, I that, if it wasn't so freezing cold in beautiful oh, really? New Zealand at four o'clock in the morning when you're running behind and trying to catch up before the sun comes up and you've been slammed onto that tree oh, like six wow, times yeah. with goop coming off you and 20 people around and then your study has to get hit by a car again and... A lot of moving yeah. parts. A lot of moving parts. Um, did you go to the 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 convention in Germany? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. But you did go to a few conventions for the show. Yeah. What was that like? Have you done Comic Con uh, stuff before for projects? Not not to this degree. Like I don't think anyone's done Comic Con stuff to this degree alongside Bruce Campbell because that that sort of panel up with him is a completely different experience. Like he takes got, control. He takes control, but they got big. Mama's on the side of the stage ready to knock a crazy person out if they kind of come really? up. Because not that Bruce needs them. No. But they are like, there are some diehard fans that yeah. just really want to give their little 
trinket thing they've made out of sticks and hessian bag to yeah honor bruce and cast the little spell on his you know pinky ring and or there was one fan we were uh in the thing and we're signing these things boom boom because these two 300 people been lining up for six hours and they see bruce and they're like and by the time they get to you they're like i met bruce campbell and you're like yeah i know <laughs> but there was this one fan that should have been like yeah so did i this, uh, she'd fallen off well actually she she'd she had this trickle of blood coming down her fuck her, her face and she had like a band-aid on and she was clearly like something wasn't quite right and like she had a concussion and she it turned out she'd fallen off her motorcycle on the way to the convention lined up for 3 hours just put a little patch on and she was going to go to the hospital after she'd met Bruce Campbell and done the sign cuz she had like some golden ticket to meet him and she, she she that's the level of diehard it is it's like i will go to hospital after I get Bruce Campbell's signature on this this piece of paper and say hello. Wow. Mm. I, I know he has a collection of tattoos, like photo tattoos on his uh, mm. phone because mm. people get, you know, tattoos of Ash from different from the different Evil Dead, but my, my friend has a tattoo of Evil Ash on his arm and mm-hmm. got to take a picture with Bruce Campbell a couple of years ago at an award show. Would it be crazy to you if someone got a tattoo of you? Who's to say they don't? Oh. Touche. <laughs> Great answer. I appreciate that. Is there um we're almost running out of time here, but one final uh Ash versus Evil Dead question for you. Mm. You already knew that I mean, you never know. Characters die so many times on these types of shows and come back, but did you have a feeling that the show wasn't gonna be re- coming back for a fourth season? It is so difficult. I mean I think the the difficulty that particularly streaming networks like Stars have is benchmarking things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as for Evil Dead, I think second to Game of Thrones is the most pirated show out there. Like, we got people. Is that, that true? Watched, I think that's that's fact. You can check that out. But so it's not that people don't like the show. It's just how does the, the availability, the availability, yeah. and the the economy that surrounds right. this kind of sort the thing. So it, it was really difficult to kind of know on the inside. And I know, you know, talking to Rob Rob Tappert and Bruce, like they said, well, look, if this is going to be it, we're going to go out on a bang. And man, yeah. they step it up. They like, really did. That I, I was looking at going, whoa, man. Like I feel like there's some talks in the works here that means we're going, let's just yeah. hammer this. And they do. And like I, I got a bit teary, man. Like that last episode with Bruce – pushing people spoiler alert into the tank you're just like it was that moment where ash suddenly had a, a moment of growth and uh, uh where i was like well this is obviously the final episode because i mean for almost 40 years ash has just been a doofy guy with mm-hmm. no real uh consideration for anyone else's well-being aside from his own and that moment where you know he put other people's lives before him and he had that real heart to heart. I'm like, well, mm. this really is the fucking end. <laughs> like it just. Well, I mean, look, it, it, it. We wake up in the future. You see the cause rings. Yeah, brothers are coming to save but us. That happened in an alternate <laughs> uh, ending of Army That's of Darkness. True. So That's true. I don't know. I'd love to see Ash in like a Mad Max future, but he he went online and officially retired the character as soon as the show was canceled. Mm. So I feel like he had this planned for a while, but good for him. I mean, a great way to go out. We are almost out of time, but before we go, Mr. Uh, Ferris, what is what are you working on right now, and where can people find you? Online, I mean, not in real life. Online? You don't want people knocking no, on your well, door. No, my, my address. Uh, well, you, you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-J, Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S. That's where all of my uh, digital things happen. Um, but then, no, I've just finished working with Mary Harron on a film called uh, Charlie Says, uh, which is about the Charlie Manson. Oh. Uh, Are you Manson? No, I am not. I, okay. I play uh, Jay Sebring, who is uh, has a legacy all of his own. But it, it, I tell you, that has been one of the uh, most horrifying shoots. Like, just as a, as a process to watch that all come to life is, like, truly... 
horror of a different uh, style. That's interesting that the Manson stuff is still oh, being man. explored, you know, from like uh, that short lived show Aquarius with David Duchovny to the new Quentin Tarantino movie with uh, Brad Pitt and mm. Leonardo DiCaprio to American Horror Story did a Manson thing um, last year. He's never going to go away. It'd be though. nice to just do a lighthearted piece, like something what called it? Muffy and Friends. <laughs> some, some happy spiders. Well, look, you're always welcome to come back, and you can pitch that idea when you do. <laughs> um, uh, thank you. Mr. Lindsay Ferris, I want to thank you again for joining me. Uh, stick around, everyone. We will be right back after these messages. <laughs> and we're back. That was cool having Lindsay in here to talk about the show that was recently canceled that he was on. Um, he really is an attractive young man. I, like when he showed up on that on Ash vs. Evil Dead, I was like, fuck, I really need to start going to the gym. Last week, I mentioned briefly that there was drama going on uh, with, with Lethal Weapon behind the scenes, that there was a new story on Deadline and then on TV Line that came out about Clayne Crawford, who plays Martin Riggs, the role that Mel Gibson played in the movies, um, about his behavior on set causing a hostile work environment and how he was reprimanded two different times and that it was putting the future of the show in limbo. We're just a couple weeks away of um, the network's all announcing what their choices are for renewals and cancellations of, of their lineup because we're May is a weird time. It's an interesting time, but also a weird time. Most TV shows that air primetime on networks are ending their runs. And um, to be qualified for, for Emmys, your show has to, has to premiere by a specific time this month, which is why The Handmaid's Tale just premiered like last week or the week before. Um, but with Last Man on Earth, there were rumors that they were going to get rid of Clayne Crawford and recast Riggs, maybe bring in a female character to take over what he was doing, which would be an interesting choice. But more info came out that the big issue on set was there was um, there were two different uh, issues. One, he ended up getting therapy for and, and like did a, his apology tour. But the second one, he was a, he was directing an episode. And he wrote on Instagram his side of the story. A piece of shrapnel from a, an effect hit an actor. The actor went home. It caused this big scene. Turned out that actor was Damon Wayans, his co-star in Lethal Weapon. The guy that plays Roger Murtaugh. And he came back with a list of demands of things that he will not do on set. Including go downstairs and carry a gun. Now... Roger Murtaugh, the character, is a police detective in Los Angeles. And if you've seen Lethal Weapon, you know that these characters need to carry guns. That's just kind of how this show works. They're destructive police officers that blow up the city regularly. And for him to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to carry a gun, it, it blows my mind the demands. I mean, I get it sucks being hit by something. And I don't really know the specifics behind that. But apparently this has turned into such a caustic environment that now these two leads of the show, Damon Wayans and Martin Riggs, who play Mert uh, Martin, I'm sorry, Damon Wayans and Clayton Crawford. Clayton, Clayton, Clayton Crawford. I said Clayton Kershaw, like we're talking about the Dodgers. Um, they play... These buddy cops and now don't even talk to each other when they're not shooting. They have no relationship now. They're pretty much fighting. And I can't imagine what that set life is like. But I'm really hoping they work it out. Because Lethal Weapon's a great show. And there's a very strong possibility Fox may cancel it. Plus a lot of shit's going on at Fox right now with Disney purchasing them. And the direction they're going with things. Uh, some people that I've worked with at FX have jumped ship from FX and are now other places. Like, it's a crazy time currently. And I didn't really talk that much last week about the Lethal Weapon stuff, so I figured I would mention that because it bums me out. I have some friends on the show, and I want them to continue working. Um, As we were recording this this morning on Tuesday, two pieces of news came out that I figured I'd share with you. 
first off, first of all, we uh, reported. Oh God, it was a couple months ago. Now, what was the Parkland shooting? It was a couple months ago because Heather's, a TV show inspired by the um, the cult 1988 film about teen suicide, was to premiere on the Paramount Network. Got pushed back. Well, they have a new premiere date, Tuesday, July 10th. They announced that this morning on social media, and uh, TV Line is reporting it, which will be interesting. I, I don't know if they went in and reshot stuff, because I've heard, aside from them uh, pushing the pilot back from premiering because of the shooting, early reviews of the pilot were real bad. I don't know if they reshot any of it to fix it because as soon as they rescheduled, they pulled the pilot from the screening site and I wasn't able to watch it. So I'm wondering if it was kind of like a back to the drawing board kind of thing. But we shall see. It's premiering on July 10th. Here's hoping it's better. And here's another show I hope that gets better, but I don't have a lot of faith. 13 Reasons Why. God damn it. This show is uh, returning to Netflix on Friday, May 18th which is not that far away. And if you have been listening to my show, you know that I have a bone to pick with this show for the way that they have portrayed teen suicide. This is a through line between Heather's and 13 Reasons Why. They both have that in common. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into my issue with 13 Reasons Why again because I went on for a long, long time, a couple weeks ago, about my issue with them glamorizing whether they wanted to or not, the idea of teen suicide and how they portrayed it incorrectly. If you disagree with me, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me why. And I will tell you why you are wrong. That's right. I will. Okay. Well, I'm getting now to the point of the show where I talk about some shows that recently uh, came on my radar that I think you should be watching. If you're not watching Atlanta, I'm judging you. Seriously, I'm sure Maddie hasn't watched it. She's just like sitting here with this grin on her face with nothing to say. Um, this, and I've said, I think I said this last week when I had um, Adam Lustick on the show because he knew Donald Glover when. I, there is no show like this on TV. I've said that about Legion. I've said that about Westworld. But for Atlanta specifically, it's a genre show without being genre. And um, almost every episode this season has been a horror film. In its own way. And it's surprising because it's 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 a TV show. Like, TV shows like this did not exist ten years ago, let alone five years ago. You can go ahead and maybe even point to Lost as the, the show that changed the game for the way TV shows operate nowadays. But Donald Glover's Atlanta is brilliant on so many levels. It's disturbing. It's hilarious. It's dramatic. It's one of those shows that utilizes quiet space well, like the the moments in between dialogue, in between important beats, end up becoming important beats themselves because the story breathes. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it shows how the life of a rapper can be a weird life, especially if you're coming up and you're not, like, huge. I think Donald Glover was on... I think he was on uh, Colbert and he was talking about how the life of a rap rapper is a weird life because you can go from having a bunch of booties smashed in your face in a music video shoot to being at Whole Foods in the produce section buying salad for dinner. And that dynamic of like living that baller life on camera and then going back to trying to have some semblance of a normal life away from the cameras, but still keeping up that that air of bravado, I guess. It is a weird way to to live, I think, but also Los Angeles, you know. This is Atlanta, though, not Los Angeles, and uh, Robin's season has been fucking fantastic. You guys really should watch it. It's on FX. Season two is almost over, um, so if you still want your Donald Glover fix, you're going to have to wait for the new Star Wars movie. Or watch SNL this weekend because he's hosting and he's also performing. Which is funny because when they showed the commercial, you know, they usually air commercials for the show. Um, next next week, Donald Glover's hosting with musical guest Childish Gambino. And I'm like, that is literally the same person. 
Like, could you not just say Donald Glover is hosting and performing? I don't know. I don't know if that would make any sense. Um, I think I talked about this on the show before, but there is a new news program called Wyatt Cenac's Problem Areas on HBO. And um, in this day and age where you have, like, The Daily Show and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and um, Samantha Bee's Full Frontal and, like, all you know, you have uh, United Shades of America on Comedy Central. They tried having The Nightly Show on Comedy Central. Like, all these shows are picking apart news topics in their own way for comedy's sake, but also to inform you. Wyatt Cenac's problem areas actually gives you a different take and cuts through the bullshit in one in two very interesting ways. First of all, he's he's an African-American comedian who has a very specific perspective. And you you're if you're familiar with his work, you're already familiar with his tone and his uh, way of telling jokes. He used to be on The Daily Show. But the second thing is and this is the more interesting aspect of the show. There's no studio audience. He just talks directly to camera. It's just him on a on a retro looking set because the show the show feels like a PBS show from the seventies, especially the way it opens with the music and the the credit sequence. And yeah, it's it's almost like his version of Mister Rogers if Mister Rogers told the news and was was an African American comedian and not Mister Rogers. I absolutely love this show because. As funny as it is, he touches on really hard-hitting issues. And instead of sending out his own um, uh, like correspondence, it's just him. He goes to different parts of the country to explore the topics that they are covering in whatever episode it is of the show. I, I, didn't, I didn't see this week's episode, but I think it was last week or the week before he touched on the issue of Black Lives Matter and police brutality in America. But more so, the real issue is that police are not – there's an issue of, of, of not owning and, and um, not owning the issue, not owning the accident. If you accidentally kill someone in a situation, more often than not, the police will say, that's unfortunate it happened, but I don't feel sorry, which is a problem. And he explores that. It's like, it's a comedy. And also, holy shit, this is really, really depressing. But it's interesting, and it's also um, educational. And I've talked about this before on the show, about the different alternative news shows that are out there that inform you, aside from just regular network news. I highly re- recommend watching why it's an X problem areas. It's only a half an hour show. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really, I don't know, it's an interesting and really good take on on the formula, on the uh, that style of program. Maddie, you look bored. You look... I am tired, but I'm not bored. This is interesting. I like when you tell us about stuff Thank I, you. Don't, Thank I you. don't listen to, or I don't watch on my own. I'm just making sure you're not sleeping. I'm here. Okay. Um, actually, Maddie, have, yes. you, have you watched The Handmaid's Tale? I haven't. Really? I really have. And I, it's not that I don't want to. I just, it's one of those things where I see my friends. Oh, no, you don't want to. I don't. Do I? I don't no, want to. No. The Handmaid's Tale is a show that you don't want to watch, but you have to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, season two just premiered on, on Hulu, and that's one of the shows. So I was listening to the show on the way here. Um, on uh, NPR, they have uh, the editor of Vulture and the editor of, IndieWire each Tuesday have a little like news segment on NPR talking about TV stuff. And they talked about The Handmaid's Tale, which is interesting because The Handmaid's Tale premiered this time last year and put Hulu on the quote unquote map. They won Emmys finally. They broke out of the formula of, I don't know, Hulu hasn't had a good tendency of bringing great shows to the small screen that are original shows that they've produced themselves. Uh, and Handmaid's Tale broke through. It's not a show you you should enjoy. I mean, if you do, cool. I don't enjoy watching Handmaid's Tale. It's an experience. It's not a show that I look forward to watching, but it's a show I can't stop thinking about once I watch it. And, um, you know, season one ended, and I'm like, where can we go from here? And season one was inspired by the book. Season two is kind of jumping off from that foundation and going its own way. 
All, all I was able to do was watch the first episode of season two, and I made the mistake of watching it before bed, which is something I do not suggest you do, because as horrific the events are that take place in this show, they keep flashing back to the present day, quote unquote, and the crazy things happening in this reality in present day Handmaid's Tale is not that far off from what is currently happening in our own reality. And it's like, this is a stark warning of where we may be going in our society with the way our government is now and the political fabric of our country unweaving and what unraveling. Uh, I watched the premiere and I was shook. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. There is a scene where I love horror films. But I can't, I can't handle stuff like, like scenes of people having their teeth pulled out, or like pulling a toenail off or a fingernail off. And there was a scene where she had to cut her ear with the scissors, and it was the most excruciating five minute scene. And you think you're seeing what she's doing? They don't actually show her cutting her ear. The camera shows you enough. They don't show exactly what you think you're watching, but it was enough to creep me the fuck out. Like, I was affected, and that is what this show does. It, it stays with you. You know, if you binge <laughs> Handmaid's Tale, good on you. I don't understand how that's even possible because I think I would go insane or jump out the window. Thankfully, I live on the first floor. So that wouldn't really do any damage, but you get my point. But regardless, I didn't think they could go even darker or or surprise me any more than they did in season one. Well, season two, first episode already goes even bleaker than I thought they could go. Um, and uh, this is one of those shows I'm going to have to maybe watch weekly. I might watch monthly. I don't know. I've really spread these episodes out because it's it's an anxiety attack waiting to happen. But it's so good. It's an anxiety attack waiting to happen, but it's really good. That should be on the poster. My final thing I want to talk about, again, second week in a row, Westworld is back. And I already have some theories, and I don't want to talk about them because they ruined the show like they did last year. All these internet theories ruined Westworld. But... Giancarlo Esposito showed up in episode two. That is... Uh, Gustavo Fring from from uh, Breaking Bad. My wife and I call him Evil Obama. That was a that was a nickname. My my uh, podcast co-host from Punch Drunk TV and I uh, came up with when he was on the short-lived NBC show Revolution that ended a couple of years back. Giancarlo Esposito brings clout wherever he goes, and the fact that he showed up, and I think just in a bit part in Westworld because he's going to be in Better Call Saul again as Gus Fring. Coming up soon. Blew my mind. Now, I would like every episode to have a cameo of uh, an actor that I really like from another thing show up. Because the, uh, Gus, um, uh, Gus Skarsgård? What's his name? Gustavo Skarsgård? Mm. I don't remember the actor's name. Skarsgård? Floki. Floki from Vikings showed up last week. And now you got Gus Fring showing up. So I'm wondering what else, what's going to happen next week. Are we going to have just, you know, Walter White? Just Walter White show up as a cowboy? I don't know. I'd be into it. I don't think it's going to happen, though. My main point is this. Westworld is worth your time. If you're not watching it, you should be. Also, I've said this about Westworld and Legion. There's no show like it on television. Yet, for some reason, I am losing interest in Legion, and I was in last week's episode. <laughs> I'm in episode four. I've been so busy that I didn't watch episode three, but I came home, and I'm like, shit, I'm in episode four. I just watched the first ten minutes until I showed up on screen, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to bed. <laughs> That's it. I Look, I know I'm the problem here because I know Legion is worth your time worth my time it's unlike any show on tv much like westworld but there's something about westworld maybe it's the sci-fi aspect of it maybe it's the fact that shoguns are showing up this season 
Maybe it's the fact that Jeffrey Wright's character is getting more to do than he did last year, even though Bernard last year did have a substantial role. Maybe because they're really expanding on the universe more than I expected. I don't know. But I feel like season two of Westworld so far is better than season two of Legion. And Legion is going some batshit crazy places. Um, finally, before we go, I mentioned earlier the Lethal Weapon drama and that Lethal Weapon may or may not come back next year. I may boycott Fox if Fox cancels The Exorcist and The Last Man on Earth, both shows that are currently on the bubble, which means that they are being considered for cancellation because their ratings went down or their ratings were never good. Last Man on Earth is such a good show and no one's watching it. It airs on Sunday nights. I understand Sunday nights are a busy TV night, but if you don't have HBO and you're looking for something to watch and you do have television, turn on Fox and watch Last Man on Earth. It's just a 30-minute show and Will Forte is brilliant in it. And there are some really great performances. Jason Sudeikis showed back up this past week and the week before. And uh, yeah, watch it. It may change your life. I do like that show. Thank you. Well, that's it for Pruner TV, episode number 11. I, uh, if you enjoyed what you, what you were listening to, please be sure to like and review us on iTunes. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Pruner TV, or me at Aaron Flux on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Next week, my guests will be Alfred Goh and Miles Millar, the co-showrunners of AMC's Into the Badlands and MTV's recently canceled Shannara Chronicles. It should be an interesting episode. I'm sure. My name is Aaron Pruner. As I said, that's Aaron Flux on all the social media channels. Thanks for listening. Don't eat metal.